0: We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Today our guest is Nikita Stowers. Nikita graduated from Massey University in 2011 with both undergraduate and postgraduate qualifications in animal science and nutrition. She's a registered animal nutritionist in New Zealand and has worked in New Zealand as well as overseas with clients in Hong Kong, Singapore and Japan. How are you today, Nikita?
1: I'm very well, thank you. How are you?
0: Good. Nikita, we normally start off with a favourite quote. So would you like to tell us a little bit what your favourite quote is?
1: Yeah, I think my favourite quote in life, something I, I live quite closely by is, And I don't even know if it's a famous quote or if perhaps I've made it up somewhere (laughs) along the line, but um, it's okay. It is, do what you love, uh, love what you do. And that's kind of how I started my business and came to be doing what I'm doing, I guess. I think life's too short to be miserable in your work and, and your job because we spend so much time there. So that's why I do what I do because I love it and it's easy. That's
0: good. And and I don't know. I mean I can't. I've heard similar. I don't you know, it's not exactly the same. I can't quite quote it to anyone, so yeah. maybe it did come from you originally, who knows. But anyway, that's great if you love what you do. Yeah, brilliant. Nikita, tell us about how you very first started. Do you know what your first memories were of horses?
1: Yeah, my first memories of being with horses were when our mum took us to a Uh, We call it RDA here, like riding for disabled, they used to hold horse camps um, and mum got us involved um, riding through lessons at a a riding school in RDA at a young age. Um, My mum had been involved with horses most of her life and my uncle was a jockey in his younger days as well. So one of the sides of our family was pretty involved with horses. Uh, My dad was was and is (laughs) very much not involved. So, yeah, definitely my mum getting us involved, getting us addicted to, to horse riding anyway. That's how I first got involved. Do you have an early memory, you know,
0: something that happened and what was going through your mind at the time?
1: Um, I think I've got a lot of really memories of, do you mean horse riding or how mm. I got in?
0: Yeah, it's something to do with horses. You know, sometimes like you think about when you're young and sometimes as a young person, you know, you perceive certain things to be a bit different to what they really are. I'm just interested in how your mind was thinking at that age when you first got involved.
1: Yeah, I think I had a very naughty first pony, so Mm -hmm. it probably taught me quite a lot of good lessons early on. In a day, she could basically dump me five to ten times. So she was pretty naughty, but it probably taught me a little bit about perseverance and -hmm. carrying
0: on. So do you remember getting dumped and just thinking about getting back on, I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna get back on, I mean what were you thinking when, when yeah, this Yeah and it
1: sounds silly doesn't it, but you do you, you learn that and it's drilled into you got to get back on the horse and it's something I would say to everyone now, um, but I think that that translates to other parts of your life as well, not just riding but um, you know, you get hit back in work or, or things that you're doing, um, I've had you know, scenarios where things haven't worked out perfectly or, you know, with horses' diets and things and you've got to just kind of keep getting back on. So I liken that to maybe, I thank my first little pony, Tessa, for helping me out there.
0: Helping you out with your persistence. You know, you. I mean, one of the things as, a, as an instructor now, you don't put people back on because, you, you know, the risk of head injuries and, and everything like that. But I suppose if you just have a bit of a light, slip off and then get back on, it's a little different.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I was, these were not like serious falls, you know, she would run to the top of the hill, that's what I remember, and then I'd pretty much just come off because she was as round as she was, you know, she was like a barrel, so it was easy to kind of slip off the side of her and fall off, but the mean, everyone I think, has had their fair share of falls in the time too, but so is that the new advice? Do I need to find some new advice?
0: I think you've just got to, you know, if you're in charge of someone as an instructor, you've got to be thinking about, you know, the risk of head, head injuries and, and repeated head injuries. Yeah, you know, course. if you fall off a horse, why did you fall off? Why why did you fall off? What are the risks of falling off again in the same scenario? You know, does is this the right horse to ride? This a, it's a lot broader question. Probably we can, you know, we can talk about that on the... Within an interview, another time, but I really want to find out about equine nutrition. That's the main reason I got you on. Yeah. So, so, um, <laughs> Not about yeah. My yeah, well, it's nice to know that you know you, you've got some interest in horses. What about a career with horses? though? because I noticed you did both undergrad and postgrad in equine, you know, in nutrition. So, were you always going to have a career with horses, or was that something a defining moment that you had, or what happened there?
1: I mean, I think, well, I know I've always been an animal lover and especially a horse lover. Um, I went to uni to study animal science, first of all, and um, dabbled, as you do in your first year, with uh, a few different papers and things to find out what I might be interested in. I always kind of thought I would hopefully do something along the equine route, and most people think Probably vet as their first port of call, um, and I went to the university that had a vet school at it in New Zealand. Uh, we only have one of those, and but they also offer specialised equine papers. So I remember taking the first equine production paper at uni and just thinking, this is me. And the nutrition stuff, for some reason, I just loved it. I even enjoyed the biochem papers and. Not many people seem to enjoy those first year uni. So I, I really just took a liking to the nutrition stuff, and I think, as well, it's an area, and it it was especially then, but it still is now, an area that's just got so much. We've got so much still to learn about it, um, and there's so much growth potential in that area. I think it just excited me, and and that was me really. So I spent from 2003 to 2011 at uni doing various bits and pieces and a lot of research in that area as well. So, yeah, just love it. Good. What about
0: if someone wants to work with horses and not necessarily in nutrition, but, I mean, there's so many areas of horses. You know, you mentioned a vet, but there's so many other areas of working with horses. What sort of core skills or character traits do they need to be able to work in the industry?
1: I think patient is probably a really good trait to have as just even a general person in the horse industry um, or anyone that's looking at working with horses. Mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time in my uni holidays working with yearlings and doing yearling preps and things like that. And I think patience with horses is always a good thing to have. But as well, I think, depending on what career path they're looking at, but I think knowing how to deal with people and and potentially emotions that people will have when they're dealing with their horses. I mean, every day I'm I'm dealing with different horse owners that have different relationships with their horses and it's about trying to understand that as well um, and being good with the, the owners, I think, in different situations. So yeah, I think patience and probably being a good people person would be two things that I think are important.
0: I think uh, we we tend to get become a very passionate bunch, you know, when when it's about our horses. Yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot of passion and and emotion involved. Well,
1: Mm. so um, Mm. I mean, I I don't have children yet, but I imagine if I if I do, they might you know get more time and less time and money spent on them than the horses, Um, because we do we love our horses as horse people. Yes. Yeah.
0: What do you think is the best thing about working with horses and working in the horse industry?
1: I think there are so many good things about working in the horse industry, but I love the people in the industry, but I think most of all, it's so. Fulfilling to be able to work with horses every day and maybe in some small way make a difference to that horse. For a lot of the stuff that we're doing, we're looking at health and well-being of the horse. So to be able to improve that and follow a horse over time is just so rewarding. Um, getting emails and phone calls from horse owners, you know, just thanking you for helping them with their horse. Yeah, it's just a great, great feeling.
0: Good. Good. Now, what about people who've helped you? You know, you talked about your mum and you talked about your uncle who was a jockey. What about to make it, you know, that you did specialise in equine nutrition? Was there anyone there that you think pushed you in that direction or guided you in that direction or anyone else who's helped you along the way?
1: Yeah, I was lucky enough to have great supervisors at university um, that helped me. So Chris Rogers, Dr. Chris Rogers, he was my primary supervisor and he's still at Massey actively doing research um, so there was yeah my I guess my supervisors there but also my colleagues there at the time and other young researchers Jasmine Tanner we worked really closely together and we still do and keep in touch now she's just doing a PhD at another university but I think more recently, The people that influence me are probably more day-to-day and my clients, I'd have to say, um, because the problems that they're bringing, usually I'm faced with a problem because people don't generally seek an equine nutritionist unless there's a problem or something that's prompted them. And so I I learn so much, probably more from my clients, often than what they're learning from me because I'm presented with new problems and it means I can find new things out and, and investigate things and so I'm, I'm grateful to them
0: okay okay and nice to know that it's a little bit of a two-way you know that if there's something and nice to know that you're open that you say well look if I don't know I'll go away I'll find it I'll make sure that I can give you the best thing possible
1: yeah, well, I think equine nutrition especially is, is a huge area where we we still, we have so much to learn. So mm. even the experts or the various experts in the industry will put their hand up and say, you know, if they don't know something, because often it's because we haven't found that out yet. You know, it hasn't been researched or we just don't know. And there's a lot of anecdotal stuff out there and, and it's very useful anecdotal evidence as well. But Yeah, often we have to go away and look things up or try to find things out because we might not know it straight away.
0: Okay, okay. What about horses? Have you had, had any particular horses who've influenced you? Anyone that, you know, I'm sure you work with a lot of horses and I'm sure they all influence you, but any one of them that's influenced you in a particular way?
1: Oh, I tell you what, there's so many, and some of the really memorable ones, I'm probably bound a little bit by confidentiality, (laughs) where they've been, you know, really kind of turnaround stories. Uh, Just uh, give us one as like a case study. You don't have
0: to say the name, but, you know, we'd like to hear a bit about a turnaround story. As
1: an example? Yeah, Yeah, sure. Um, I was. Yeah, so something that comes to mind straight away is when I was working with a prominent New Zealand racehorse trainer and we were investigating gut health and we were specifically looking at gastric ulcers and things and seeing if uh, feeding, especially in different management, could uh, affect these horses in a positive way. So we... Did a whole bunch of different diets with different horses and things, and basically scoped horses, tried to see what what was working before and after. So we're scoping for to look for ulcers, and we had a horse there that was about to basically um, say goodbye and go to horsey heaven. Is um, on his last legs because they just could not get anything decent out of this horse, and it was more so the horse's behaviors than anything else. Um, we're just proving it making it a real difficult horse to handle Um, and we managed to turn that horse around within about three weeks just with management changes and that horse went on to win group races so um, things like that make it really rewarding doing what we do and actually being able to help these horses um, and help the owners or the trainers um, and you know, improving their management so that
0: these horses get a fair chance. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on horse chats. Because mm. sometimes difficult horses are deemed to be difficult, but they're just trying to tell you something.
1: That's mm. right, and, and often mm. it is a pain response. So yep. that's what we are seeing more and more, and we were probably all, always seeing it. Um, and, you know, at, we've just had the Horse of the Year show here, and I have my um, sister helped me out on our stand and she says to me when we're talking to people about ulcers and things, she's like oh no, you know, poor Ted, that was one of her old ponies. Yep. I'm pretty sure he had ulcers and, and <laughs> we were just used to telling him he was a naughty pony you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we of course didn't know that, what we know now growing up so yeah things like that and how we can improve quality of life for horses I think is yeah, amazing. So when we talk about
0: gut health and gastric ulcers, what's some tips that horse owners can have? First of all, what's a tip in recognizing it, but also what's a tip in management of the horse so that they either don't get gut ulcers or to help with the treatment of gut ulcers?
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of um, things that you can look out for. Um, Gastric ulcers are obviously one of the things, being a veterinary nutritional consultancy that we deal with a lot. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of common signs. So girthy behavior, uh, poor coat condition, failure to kind of thrive and gain weight are probably the most common. But then we also have some little quirky things, aggressive behavior, especially around feeding and some of these pain-associated responses, ten- sensitivity with brushing in certain areas. Um, there's a whole huge kind of array of things that you can look for and things that can be associated with the life of gastric ulcers. But then in terms of tips for managing, I hmm. guess, um, we have maybe a little bit more of a holistic approach than your your typical kind of vet clinic or or feed company so we try to integrate it too so we would advise horse owners if they think that their horse is presenting with a lot of these signs and they're not getting anywhere and they they don't know what to do um, then seek help so talk to your local vet or talk to somebody like us and see if your horse may benefit from a, a treatment and management program Um, gold standard for identifying this and so I'm talking about gastric ulcers as opposed to hindgut issues which are harder to um, diagnose but the key for gastric ulcers is to either get the horse scoped um, which is your gold standard in terms of diagnosis and if the horse owner can't get to a scope or doesn't have one available to them then we would often start a horse on what we call a treatment trial so we would treat that horse as if it has gastric ulcers, if we were confident enough that it was, that's what we thought it was. And then usually we see a huge turnaround in you know, maybe 10 to 14 days. So in that case, then we know, OK, this is possibly one of the things that we were dealing with. And then, what we do at the same time, so what encourage horse owners to do at the same time as they're treating a horse with something like ulcers, is to look at their management as well, because otherwise we're just consistently band-aiding a problem. Mm -hmm. So we try to manage it at the same time and prevent reoccurrence. So, little things that they can do is to make sure the horse obviously has adequate access to quality forage, to make sure that that grains are, are. so they're not making their way to the hindgut for, for hindgut health purposes, feed little and often, you know, all of those things that we kind of know, and a lot of it kind of back to basics. But there are some other things as well that I like to do for a horse that might be suffering from ulcers. So if they can tolerate lucerne, give them a little feed of lucerne um, just prior to getting on or prior to traveling. And yeah, little tips like that can,
0: can actually make
1: quite a difference.
0: Yep. Yep. no that's good. That's good. and I think um those little tips about the quality forage and about just giving them that little bit of feed before they're ridden so that they're not completely you know completely empty, a little bit of feed before they um they travel all of those things I think are going to make it better. so if people have got that bit of knowledge, they're going to make it better for horses and the care of the horses and hopefully minimize the gut problems and prevent them, help prevent them, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's right, and often a lot of the issues that we face with our modern horses, we've you know as humans, we've created a lot of these problems. Yes. So I often encourage my clients to try and look back and and think about the horse a little bit more from an evolution mm-hmm. perspective, um think about you know what they were designed to be doing, and then think about how far we've taken them from there. And so then trying to to help them out as much as we can to avoid these problems that we are sometimes guilty of.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Inflicting on them. So fixing horses, you know, like the one that you had, you know, had that really good turnaround, are they the proudest moments or is there something else that you'd like to talk about?
1: I think fixing horses for us is probably our most common theme because, like I say, Perhaps it's in New Zealand, especially it's it's a reasonably new kind of concept to have an advice-based company, but without products that we're, so we're not saying use this for this, use this for this, and then selling it to you. We we're, we're trying to educate people and give them advice. So I think whenever we get these turnaround stories, or um, I get my clients to send me uh, weekly or two weekly photos of their horses as well and, and tracking progress like that. But when you get these turnarounds with some of our, our horses and our clients' horses and when we get that feedback through, I think it's just, um, yeah, it's just so rewarding for what we do. And like I say, often we're called in to fix the problem But then we usually end up being able to help, you know, we might be dealing with one problem horse in a stable, but then our clients can then take that advice and those concepts and use that across the board and they actually see improvements in their horses that they didn't think had any problems to begin with. And maybe they didn't, but they're just kind of optimizing their diets and things. So um, for us, I think it's just that feedback we get all the time and it's just, yeah, it's just so nice to get that. That's good.
0: Good. Now, thinking about where you are now, you know, you're working in the horse industry, you're doing what you love, you love what you do. What's been your biggest challenge to get where you are now, working within the industry and, you know, doing that?
1: My biggest challenge, I would say the biggest challenge has probably, well, one of them has probably been for horse owners to get their head around, you know, taking advice and We take advice from many different avenues, but probably for us, coming from quite a specialist point of view, for horse owners to kind of grasp that we are trying to help them, I guess, has been a hard, not a hard thing, but a different concept for the industry to grasp. And then I would say I've probably been my own biggest challenge in terms of getting out there and doing it and believing in what we do. Um, And it's just, you know, paid dividends. But I think initially that was probably our biggest challenge was going, okay, this is a bit of a new concept in New Zealand, especially to have independent advice out there. And that's what we're selling. You know, we get people come into our site, it shows like Horse of the Air, and say, oh, what is it that you're selling? And that's kind of the first response that we were dealing with. And I think it's getting better, but that was a big challenge for us initially.
0: It's more about the education, isn't it? Education of the public to see the value in what you're providing.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. right, and it's and it's easy for us now because I mean now when we're at shows or out and about or um with other clients, then you've got you've got other clients that most of our most of our work either comes via vet referral or word of mouth. So, It's easy now because people know the concept and and know what to expect from us. But I think when we were starting out, even though we were both, um, so I work alongside a, a vet, but we were both experienced in our areas and what we did, especially for myself, you know, I'd always been tied up with feed companies and animal health teams for, you know, in commercial situations that then to go out and, Say, okay, we are independent and this is what we're doing. You know, it took people a little while, I think, to get their heads around, and probably a little bit of time for us to educate them on that. But yeah,
0: what would you say then for someone else who's in got a specialty field? There's specialists in some area in the horse industry, and I think different areas are just exploding. The horse industry is exploding. It's no mm. longer that if you want to work with horses, you're either a groom or a vet. It's a bit more, involved in that, and there's so many different areas. Now, if someone else is coming in with a new area that, that is valuable, but they have to educate the public of the value, what advice would you give them? It's sort of like business management advice, I suppose. Would it be to partner with vets, and or you tell me, what would it be so that they could get their word out to people?
1: Yeah, so partnering with vets has been a real key for us. But you could use that concept across the board. I mean, like you say, we've got we've got equine chiropractors, we've got physios, we've got all sorts of you know even dentists. Um, you know, a lot more common now. But we've got all these kind of different service offerings. But I think for us aligning ourselves with um, veterinarians, especially, and and knowing that we have equine vets all over the country that trust us and our service has been really good. But also um, if people are looking at getting into an area that is quite new, then see if there are others that are already in that and see if you can draw on their knowledge. And I think everyone, especially, you know, like in the equine nutrition world, for example, we have a forum on Facebook that's a whole bunch of different equine nutritionists from all over the world. So little groups like that, I think, are really useful and people are really willing to help others out or it's an area that they've got expertise in to help out so maybe just do your homework a little bit and see who could be out there that could help you and then from a, a client perspective maybe try and see if what you're thinking or what your concept is if there's an actual need for it I mm. think that was a big exercise for us with saying okay what is the actual need and and that's a little bit of that market research type stuff as well and that need I think changes over time as well and changes where you think it might be initially, like there was a few things that we thought, oh, this could be a, a big part of our offering and then slowly over time, other things have evolved and become a bigger part of our offering. So just do do a bit of research, I think.
0: If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Now, thinking as, as an equine nutritionalist, what's a common fault that you see with people within the area of equine nutrition, something that people can learn as a takeaway from this interview?
1: I think if I had to give some advice around equine nutrition and feeding, it's generally to try to take your horse's diet back to basics, try to not overcomplicate things, keep things fairly simple and maybe if you're stuck or if you're having issues then try to seek out some help because we can, I mean it's so so difficult to be a horse owner these days in New Zealand and I think anywhere over the world because there's so many products out there and there's a lot of quick fixes uh, but then there's also a lot of great products out there. But horse owners can often, I think, oh, I do it as well, and I'm guilty of it. We we see a new thing or a new product, and we want to try it. But with the diet, certain things can interact with other products and counteract things. So try to keep your diet as, as simple as you can. Feed companies are really good and helpful in terms of giving good advice about their products. So just do your homework a little bit with products,
0: and yeah, try to keep it simple. Yep, yep. Okay, that's good. And we'll put your contact details on our page too, which will be horsechats.com slash Nikita Stowers, but we'll get those contact details in a little bit, just in case people have any questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah and we can yeah, put your great. contact yeah. details and some uh, maybe mm-hmm. some recommended places for them to go as well. What about a book, Nikita? Have you got a book? that you can recommend to our listeners just to complement their education about equine nutrition and equine health?
1: Um, There's a few good books out there. One that I kind of looked at as a resource when I was studying, I think the author was Frape, F-R, Frape, I don't even know how you say it, but it was just called Equine Nutrition and Feeding. That's an older book now but had some really good concepts in it, I was just trying to look up what it was called. Yeah, Equine Nutrition and Feeding. And well, how do you spell the author? David Frape, D-A-V-I-D-F-R-A-P-E. And not only books, because books, especially with things like nutrition, often when they're published, they're almost out of date. So even just look, signing up to, I really like some of the newsletters out there. Feed Excel do a do a great one. And there are a lot of those kind of up-to-date resources available online now, so not even necessarily relying on books. There's a lot of resources that I use, but I wouldn't recommend to a horse owner necessarily, but that Equine Nutrition and Feeding is quite an easy read.
0: We might get those details of any newsletters as well. We'll get any details off you, and we'll put those at the bottom of the page as well. Yeah, that's good. Nikita, what are you looking forward to now? What are you doing over the next 12 months, two years?
1: Ah, over the next... 12 months we are kind of actively just at at the big horse events so Equidaze is the next big one for us in New Zealand and that's in October. We've just come back from Horse of the Year so still dealing with the, the aftermath of, of consults and things from Horse of the Year. So we'll pretty much be doing that. I am also trying to set up and do some research in New Zealand over the next 12 months. To look at our pastures. Obviously, pasture in New Zealand and I think you know Australia as well is a big part of the diet and can be a really big part of the horse's diet, but often it's the part that we know least about. So, um going to try and kind of map out some baseline data for New Zealand and for horse properties. We've got heaps of pasture data in in New Zealand, but a lot of it's relating to dairy farms and beef and sheep farms as well. So to get some some horse data and a database going, is going to be my little pet project for the next 12 months amongst amongst everything else.
0: Okay. Okay. Nikita, now just to summarise your philosophy, would you be able to do that just in a couple of sentences? Just about equine nutrition.
1: Yeah, so my philosophy with equine nutrition, and I've said it before, but I think is to generally try and keep it simple and keep it simple, try to go back to basics and think a bit more like a horse.
0: I like that, think more like a horse. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Nikita, how can people contact you now? I'm sure that they're going to have a lot of questions. I'm sure you'll get questions out of this because you've sort of given lots of information. Then if someone's got a specialty area, they can contact you about a bit more.
1: Yeah, of course. So um, we have a website, which is which is www.vani.nz. So easiest way to contact is either online through the website or by email, nikita.vani.nz. And if they're in New Zealand or overseas, they can give us a call as well. Did you want the...
0: Yeah, well, I think if all those details are on there, I think people listening to podcasts are often driving or doing something. But what we'll do is we'll put those up on your page and it'll be horsechats.com. Slash Nikita Stowers, or else go to horsechats.com, search for Nikita, N I K I T A, or search for Stowers, S T O W E R S. Okay, so I'm sure people will contact you again, Nikita. Thanks very much for your time today. Certainly been informative. And I think you've given us a lot of tips to go away and think about how we can feed our horses, you know, just even to confirm that what we're doing is correct or to improve our practices.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, thank you. appreciate the time. Okay. Bye. Cool. Thanks, Gwyneth. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat,
0: then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352.